You're listening to an audio sermon from Redemption Church in Olds, Alberta. It is our prayer that through this ministry, we will see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, or to let us know how we can be praying for you, visit us online at www.redemptionolds.com or send us an email at info at redemptionolds.com. Send uh, greetings from uh, Redemption Red Deer. I like to move around, so just creating a little bit of space here. Um, at this, this time, as, as John Anderson is now on sabbatical, I'm, I'm coming in support of John and Beth, praying for him, praying for your church at this time, uh, and uh, yeah, able to come here and bring the word to you this morning. So that's my, my honor, and I pray you would uh, minister to your hearts. Um, also, just one more thing I want to mention before we open up God's word here this morning. There's a men's conference called Free Indeed. Uh, it's part of the Great Commission Collective, and we, it's kind of like just coming out, so you'll have more information about this uh, in the week to come, be able to register. It's a, a conference happening in Canmore, May 13th to 14th. It's called Free Indeed, uh, as in who the sun sets free will be free indeed, but it does cost money. Uh, so it's, uh, I believe it's $50 uh, registration, but you don't have to find a hotel how to get there. So you could like carpool with a bunch of people with the cost of gas, get a minivan, pack it out. Uh, but there'll be like messages on Friday evening and then two kind of Saturday morning, early afternoon. So free indeed. You'll have, find more information about that. Uh, all the men, if you can get there, get there and be encouraged, be built up and, uh, you know, continue to spur one another on. Uh, to love and good works. So just to let you know about that, uh, this morning as I, as I join you, again, I'm, I'm bringing you a word that we've been walking through in Red Deer. We've been going through the book of Genesis. Um, and we're, we're seeking to build a biblical worldview. Uh, so imagine if you, if you think of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 in terms of music, and I'm not a musician, so I can't do this well, but and just think of like what's going on in Genesis 1 and 2, God creating everything in six days, the excitement, the amazement, the praise, and it'd be like some positive, like, dun, 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 dun. I don't know. I don't know the music, but some positive note rising up. That's what you would hear, right? But then, if you, then you get to Genesis chapter 3, where Eve uh, took the fruit she wasn't supposed to, gave it to Adam, and they, they ate, and sin entered into the good creation. And then you can imagine that note, like, Dun, 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 dun. I don't know. It's even worse than that. And I'm not a musician, and it's terrible, the sounds I'm, I'm bringing. <laughs> but just, just think of how, like, you got Genesis 1 and 2, and you read it, and you're like, yeah, okay, like, everything's good. And then you get to Genesis 3, and you're just like, whoa. And then you get to Genesis 4. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, the first half of Genesis 4. Now Adam and, and Eve kicked out of Eden. And now sin has entered the picture into this good creation, very good creation. And Genesis chapter 4, interesting, it doesn't, we don't have like, where did they go? Did they, did they light a fire to stay warm? Did they build a home? Instead, as we'll see, you're, you have the story of Cain and Abel, particularly Cain. Why would God, as he gave us scripture after Genesis 3, got Genesis 4? And I believe we want to 
God wants us to know, and this is kind of the question we're asking, like sin, how bad is it? That's what we're seeing in this, this text this morning. And as we see how bad is it, we're not going to stay there. Then I'm going to think and talk about, we, ha- we all have sin in our own lives. And how do we battle that? So that's kind of where we're going this morning. I kind of have a, a tradition in our church as I read the scripture. I get everyone to stand. I'm going to just bring that to you this morning. If you want to stand with me, I'm going to read from Genesis 4, looking at verses 1 to 16. And we stand because this is God's holy word. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. So Genesis 4, 1 to 16, it's a story we all know, right? Cain and Abel. We've all, maybe you've read it to your, to your kids in a, in a children's storybook Bible. What a hard story to try to bring to children. You're like, yeah, there was Cain, there was Abel, then there was Cain. It's like, why is it in there? It's such a hard thing to, to even tell young people, but the Bible has it in there right at the beginning because the Bible is raw, it's real, it's uncut. This is what happened. Again, I think God's trying to tell us right from the get-go Look how bad sin is. That's what we're going to be seeing here this morning. If you look at me again with, at verses 1 to 2, I want us to see we have sinners at birth. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived, and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So Adam and Eve came together. They were obeying God's command of being fruitful and multiplying, but, but now they had sin entering the picture. So now we have Cain, The first baby born, there's a lot of firsts in this passage, 
but the first one born into sin. We're going to see, we, we, can, we know why, or we can tell that he was born to sin as we look at his life. And if we know anything about Genesis chapter 3, the curse, one of the curses given to, to Eve was that there would be pain in childbirth. So not only a first baby born, but there's a lot of pain uh, with Cain coming into the world. But she called him Cain, and, and she said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, which is actually... It's interesting as it's phrased in Hebrew, it's translated a number of different ways in our English text because she's actually saying something quite significant. There's a promise made in Genesis chapter 3 as, as Adam and Eve fall into sin. There's this curse that's made to the serpent. In Genesis 3.15, the second part, God says this to the serpent and, or to Eve, he shall bruise your head. Like someone from Eve will bruise the head of the serpent and you shall bruise his heel. There's this promise right at the beginning that there's going to be someone, a descendant from Eve, who's going to crush the head of the snake. And Eve, with her firstborn child, is thinking, is this the one? Other English translations have there in verse 1, Eve says, with the help of the Lord, I've, I brought forth a man. The CSB she said, I've, I've had a male child with the Lord's help. She doesn't call him her son. She's, she's literally saying, is this the one of Genesis 3.15? Is this the one who's going to crush the head of the snake? Martin Luther translates it this way when he was translating scriptures into German. He translated, I have the man, the Lord. But the Hebrew even allows that. Eve's actually kind of like, I, th I think this is him. She thought Cain would be the one, the one who would crush the head of the snake, but no, he was born into sin. He was a son of Adam. We know he wasn't the one. We know the one to come who came, Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate soon enough in Easter. He came. He's the one who crushed the head of the snake. But she had this anticipation, is he the one? And then... I think she found out soon enough, very quickly, he wasn't. In verse 2, again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel means vanity or vapor. It's like it's not Cain. Abel, oh, he's just vanity. She's, she's like, it's not going to come from me. And that, I believe that's why she even, like, why would you name your kid vanity or vapor? Because she was, had no more hope that this was going to be one of the, child, the children who had crushed the head of a snake. So we have here the first brothers. And as the text goes on, it says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. We have the kind of first professions laid out before us. We have Abel who, who worked the ground. He was a farmer. Or sorry, Abel who was a shepherd. But not for meat, right? They, they were all vegetarians at this time. And uh, it would have been just for maybe the milk, maybe the fur, the covering. And then we have Cain's Profession, he was a farmer, probably like Adam. He worked the ground. And notice even as it's presented to us, though Cain is the firstborn and Abel the second, then it, their names are switched when it brings our professions, telling us that something is about to come we should pay attention to. If we'll look again at verses 3 to 5, we'll see how sin affects our offering to God. Sin affects their offering. We'll talk about how sin affects our offering too. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. In the course of time, 
like how much time had passed. It, it doesn't say in the text for sure enough time that they would have grown up and be able to own their different professions. Some commentators think it's in the course of time, like it was the end of the agricultural season, obviously that they, they had the fruits of the ground, that the animals were big enough uh, to give. It doesn't tell us, but in, in the course of time, they, they were going to bring an offering to the Lord. Maybe another question to ask, how did they know to bring an offering to God? It, it doesn't tell us. But in, in Genesis 3.21, as Adam and Eve are being kicked out of the garden, it says this, the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Right? They, they try to cover up their sin with the fig leaves. That's what we do. We try to cover up our sin ourselves. But God in his mercy seemingly killed an animal and covered them up. And I think Adam and Eve knowing the sacrifice that was made for their sin were, were maybe taught their children, you need to bring something before the Lord, like he did for us. So I think Adam and Eve actually pa- passed this down to his, their children. Maybe just a thought for us, what are we teaching our children? Like they're learning so many things from us, what are they learning that they'll take with them? But look at, look at the offering that they gave. Look at the differences between their offering so Cain, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. It doesn't say what it was. It was something, and something's better than nothing, right? It, se- it seems like yeah, Cain's like, I have something here, and I'm just going to bring that to the Lord. Then we have Abel, and it says this, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat offerings. He like, the firstborn offering that, that's like his best. You know, because you're offering the firstborn, you're like, we don't know how the other animal is actually going to turn out, if they're going to survive. And he brings the fat offering, that's like the best part of the animal. One commentator notes Uh, In the other Old Testament sacrifices, as it goes on, in animal sacrifices, the fat was burnt because it too belonged to the Lord, being regarded as the choicest part of the animal. So we see in their two kind of offerings, seemingly Cain, kind of flippantly, Abel gives his best. A really uh, simple way to understand it, for me, maybe for you too, imagine you got like a little box of Timbits, (laughs) and the chocolate glazed ones are the best, amen, anyone, no? (laughs) <laughs> Amen. And, and, and so someone is like, hey, I'm going to give you a Timbit. Cain's like, okay, here's a plain one. Here, have this one. Like, that's kind of a Cain's offering. Abel's offering is like, oh, you want a Timbit? Have the chocolate glazed one. This is my last one. He gave what was best uh, to the Lord. I don't know if that analogy really pans out so well, but <laughs> it works in my mind. So God had regard for Abel's offering. He accepted it, but not Cain's. And it doesn't say how God, like, made that known to them. That they, they, uh, one maybe went up to heaven, one didn't. Like, it doesn't say, but we know that it did. That both Cain, like, Cain knew his, had no, God had no regard for it. We knew that Abel knew that, like, God had regarded his offering. The New Testament, though, helps us to understand the differences between their offerings, actually. You can turn there or you can just uh, listen. I'm just going to turn to Hebrews 11.4. Gives us more insight into their offering. 
It says this in Hebrews 11:4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, by faith, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. He gave it in faith. That's actually, I think, the most important thing, is he gave it believing this was going to be pleasing to God. And then it, it, we have this in Scripture as well, in 1 John 3.12, speaking of, of Cain. 1 John 3.12, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. John's saying, looking back at Cain, his deeds were evil. And why were they evil? I think because his offering wasn't given with faith. It was just kind of flippantly given to the Lord. Abel offered his sacrifice with faith, believed in the God who gave it to God, accepted that Cain didn't. Just for a moment, though, let's just think, what about us? What are, are we to give offerings to the Lord? I think, first off, primarily, we're to give our very selves to God. I'm thinking of Romans 12.1, where it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters... By the mercies of God. And sorry, of course, there's Romans chapter 1 to 11, all before the gospel, that we're all born sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, paid for our sins, was buried and rose again. And, and he's, he's chosen to save some. And there's the mystery of salvation. Romans 1 through 11, like in great detail. So then Paul says, I, I appeal to you, therefore, like because of that, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Right? Like that's the first offering we're to give to the Lord in faith. Lord, here I am. Have all of me. Everything. What else can we offer in faith? Just a few other things to think through. I think even this morning as we sang songs to the Lord, did we offer it in faith where you're like, these words from my lips are going before the very throne of the living God? God, will you be pleased with the praise coming from my lips? We can offer it with faith or we can go through the motions. And then also this morning, even as we gave, we can give with faith. And, and Josh even mentioned this, the text I want to read, 2 uh, Corinthians 9.7, Paul speaking to the Corinthian church about their giving, he says this, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So that's another offering we can give as you give to the church, as you give to the work of God that is, is, is going on here, redemption olds. It's a, whether you give a little or a lot, it's, it's what is your heart attitude as you're doing like. Lord, I'm giving you this joyfully. This is an offering to you. So that's something we can also give with faith. But back to Cain and Abel, Cain's offering was given without faith. You know, we, we know that as we see God's reaction, as we looked at what else was said in the New Testament. In verse 5, for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. God had no regard, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. Looking at verse Verses 6 to 7, I want us to just see briefly, sin desires to rule over us. 
Verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. If you do well, if you do it as right, Cain. This is the first time sin is mentioned in the Bible. There's many definitions of, of sin. This particular one, it means missing the mark. If we were to think, what, like, what would that mean, like missing the mark? If you were to think like long jumping, I guess the record for long jumping, you know when you run up and you see how far you can make it, I guess the record is like 29 feet, uh, 4 inches and a quarter inch. Four, like, that's insane. So imagine, what if the mark was 30 feet? Like, that's phenomenal. Like, you missed it, but you barely missed it. But the reality, in terms of sin missing the mark, it's, it's like Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, God's holiness, God's righteousness. So a better picture, imagine it's long jumping still, but you're going off the coast of Newfoundland, you need to land in Spain. And so even like the greatest long jumpers among us are like, well, they almost made 30 feet into the ocean. No one's coming close. That's the type of missing the mark that sin is. That's the mercy of God, right? And none of us are coming close to meeting it. But thank the Lord for Jesus. So I want you to continue to see this. There's this warning to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. We're going to come back to this text. Think about what it means for us, how bad is sin? Well, we're going to continue to read on. We see the, the example, the history of how bad it truly is. Verses 8 to 15, we see sin's bitter fruit. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Premeditated murder. We have the first brothers and the first murder. That, this is how bad sin is. In verse 9, then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? Not a, not a real question. More like give an, give an account. Just like when God was asking Adam, hey, where are you? It's not that he didn't know where he was. And look at his response. He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So we then now have the first human lie. And what a response. Cain saying, am, am I my brother's keeper? No, like you're, you're your brother's murderer. This is what sin does. Darkens. It's putrid. Verse 10, the Lord replies, and the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me, from the ground, God sees, God knows. Sin is not done in secret. And the sin leads to punishment. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. This is his punishment for him. Even as he worked the ground, like nothing's going to grow. Verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from the face, from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, 
Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. So again, you see sin further separates us from God. You see Cain, they're already kicked out of Eden. And now God's like, even more, I'm going to keep removing you further and further away. And apparently, so he had this mark upon him that no one would hurt him. And what was the mark? Again, we don't know, but for sure, everyone knew. Like, I don't know if you've you've ever seen anyone who is, like, marked by sadness or marked by shame. Like, you just look at their face and you know exactly. Whatever it was, everyone knew there's something about Cain and they're staying away from him. He was a marked man. Just a, a kind of a side point here. He said, whoever finds me will kill me. And, you know, you just have at the beginning... Cain and then Abel, like where do these other people come from? Well, Adam and Eve had other children who had other children. Genesis 5, 4 says the days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, another son, and he had other sons and daughters. A historian in the first century, Josephus, I guess the the tradition was that Adam had 33 sons, or Eve, sorry, uh, Adam and Eve, 33 sons and 23 daughters. So they were just, they were multiplying. And so there were other people already, but as Acts 17, 26 says, and speaking of God, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. For for sure, they were descendants of Adam. So friends, can can you see the, the answer to the question, how bad is sin? Again, coming out of Genesis 3 to Genesis 4, Cain is highlighted. We know very little about Abel. Like, Abel's not the one highlighted, it's Cain. Sin is sick. It's deceptive. It, It darkens everything. He killed his younger brother. Like, why why would God put it in there after Genesis chapter 3? And again, I think it's just to highlight, this is how bad it is. It's worse than you think. I want us to note in Genesis 16, sin keeps us wandering. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It's actually like very similar to what happened to his parents. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and they got kicked out of like the east, east part of the Garden of Eden, right? And there's these flaming swords and these cherubim are guarding the way. And now for Cain, now he was kicked out of the east. I don't know if they were like really close to the entrance of the Garden of Eden. And now you got to go further. Sin continues to separate us from God, wandering farther and farther away from him. And where does he settle? He settles in the land of Nod. I don't know if you have a footnote there, the, the word Nod means wandering. He settles in the land of wandering. Isn't that the human condition of wandering? Never satisfied, looking what's next. There's there's something better coming. In sin, Cain is the picture of, I believe, every human being. Wandering, ever restless. Because, friends, life doesn't make sense until you turn to the Creator. Right? The one who made you. The one who gave you purpose. As we looked at how bad sin is, I want us just to acknowledge we're all descendants of Adam. That ugly thing, sin, dwells in each one of us. 
So now with the time remaining, I just want us to go back to look at verse 7 and think of our battle with sin. Looking again at verse 7, God says to Cain, If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Its desire is to have you, to dominate you. We need to start, we need to call sin for what it is. I guess this, the word of like this crouching at the door. One commentator says this, the Hebrew word for crouching is the same as an ancient Babylonian word referring to an evil demon crouching at the door of a building threatening the people inside. Sin may thus be pictured here as such a demon waiting to pounce on sin. It desires to have him. Friends, as we continue to see how bad sin is, we shouldn't excuse it in ourselves or others, but we do. You say, oh, yeah, yeah, boys will be boys. They're just young people. God, God made me this way. It's, it's just who I am. I'm, I'm tired. It's just, just been a hard season. We have so many excuses to excuse our sin. Does not our, our world downplay sin? You know, instead of calling like a, a guy or a girl just looking at each other with sexual urges, calling it lust, or it's like, ah, oh, they, oh, they have a crush on each other. Instead of maybe someone who who's just keeps eating and eating and eating, even when they're not hungry, and we call that gluttony, but our world could say, oh, yeah, they're, they're a foodie. They just enjoy the different flavors. You could have someone who's, who is lazy, who is never, never doing the work they're supposed to, always sitting around, hanging out. So laziness, like that's not good, but we could say, oh, they, just, they enjoy leisure. <laughs> we, can, we can downplay sin. We can do that in the church too, right? Instead of calling something gossip, we can say, oh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to share a prayer request with you. Right? We can, we, we can do that. We can try to soften sin. Take away the ugliness of it. We, in it sometimes in our lives, we, can, we try to treat it like it's like a baby lion. It's like cute and cuddly. But in reality, it's like this ravenous lion that wants to devour. So friends, do we have that ugliness of sin within us that is crouching down, desires to have us? How bad is sin in our lives? Friends, it took the death of Jesus Christ on the cross to break sin's power in our lives. Like that's how terrible it is. The most innocent one who ever lived had to suffer in our place to deal with sin. That is how bad it is. And the only way to be free from sin's mastery is to be mastered by God. And, and that is a great and glorious thing, right? Looking at the thing of that Romans 12, 1, just committing your, your body, your everything is a spiritual sacrifice. Like, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, have me. Yes, I'm battling sin, but I, I, I want to be mastered by you. I am yours. Do with me what you will, right? This is how you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and then when you do, right, it's, it's a walk in the park. Life's easy. <laughs> Exactly. I, 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 if you didn't laugh, I'm like, sorry, I was sarcastic. And No, like life is hard. Life as a Christian, you, you have faith in Jesus Christ and you still have all this sinful nature present in you. But now you have the spirit at work 
You have different desires and urges, but there's a battle that's going on inside, right? Now I want to talk about the battle. How do we live life as Christians and fighting this battle? Just a, a few thoughts to that. How do we battle sin? The first is through the Spirit. Through the Spirit of God. In Galatians 5, 16 to 17, Paul wrote, But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will, not you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So as we battle sin in our lives, walk by the spirit. Like living for God, you're praying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And as you see, as you're walking in the spirit, what is God's will? You walk in it. Maybe you're, you're going to talk, you're going to go tell this joke, and the spirit's like, close your mouth. So you obey that. You got nothing to say. Maybe you're, you're hanging out with a group of people and you're like, ah, I don't know if I'm supposed to be with these people. You obey that. You walk by the Spirit. You leave that place. Maybe if you're struggling with looking at things at night and the Spirit says it's time to go to sleep, you're like, okay. That's walking by the Spirit. As you see God's will, you walk in it. By his strength in us. This is how we battle sin, by the spirit of the living God. So through his spirit, then we also battle sin in us using his word. Thinking about Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. It says this, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give an account. Just think about this, like in terms of God's word upon ourselves, it's like an x-ray and a scalpel. It's like an x-ray and a scalpel. Like imagine, imagine you, like, you had some tests done and things aren't going well inside. Maybe there's a tumor, maybe there's something. And you go to the hospital and like, yeah, our x-ray machine isn't working. We're still going to operate. We really don't know where it is. We don't know how bad it is. That's what it can be like if we consider sin outside of what Scripture says. We're like, oh, let's come up with our own definition. It's actually not that bad. But if we allow Scripture to be an x-ray to our heart, we're like, wow, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know how bad that was. But it's not only is it an x-ray, but Scripture is also a scalpel by the Spirit. As things are exposing us, like, Lord, remove this from me. I didn't know how bad it truly was. By the Spirit, I'm seeing in your word. I'm confessing it before you. That's what we do as things are exposed by Scripture. We confess our sin. We turn away from it. We run towards God. It says in Ephesians 4.26, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So maybe you're, you're fuming about something. you got in a fight with your spouse or a coworker. And you read that scripture and it's penetrating to you. You're like, oh, I got, I got to deal with this. I got to talk to this person. This anger is going to well up into bitterness. Or maybe we read in 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. Like a, a, a Christian, in terms of a relationship, moving towards marriage, they should be with another Christian. You should be moving in the same direction. And so you see so clearly in scripture, like, ah, if they're not following Jesus, I shouldn't be with them. And you allow that word to guide your steps, guide your heart. 
Again, when God, when we see it in our hearts, oh, Lord, yes, it's true. We confess it. We turn away, but then we run towards God. So we battle sin by his spirit with his word. And we do that with his people. We battle sin with his people. Us, if you turn with me in Hebrews, look at Hebrews 3, 12 to 13. It says this. Take care, brothers, lest, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Hear this next verse. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We gather together with God's people so our hearts wouldn't be hardened by sin. In fact, that our, that our sin in our lives would be exposed. That's why we gather in, in small groups. Men's ministry, women's ministry, this men's conference, free, free indeed. It's like you go there, you sit underneath God's teaching, you're with other men, maybe things are going to get exposed. And hopefully it softens our heart. That's why we need each other. We need to be constantly exhorted by each other. I don't know about you, but like as we've seen Redemption Red Deer grow that body, I'm so thankful for it. And if I didn't have a body of believers to gather with, I don't know where I would be. The past two years have been so hard. I've been so angry at times and so bitter with everything that's been going around. But then I go and worship with the people of God. And it's like, oh, Lord, I... If this stays in my heart, it's going to be wicked, Lord. I want to confess that before you. Or we meet in our small group and, you know, probably similar to you guys, you open up God's word and you break off guys and girls. And it's like, hey, how's your marriage doing? How's your life doing? And, and if you, can, you can just, like, play the game. Everything's good. Everything's good. But if you get real with one another, it's like you're exposing sin in each other's lives. Calling it for what it is and what a blessing that is. So we battle sin with God's spirit, with God's word with his people. And, and lastly, we battle sin by gazing upon Jesus Christ. An old saint, Robert Murray McShane, says, if you take one look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. Right? Because we look inside. We do. We see sin. We're sinners. We're battling. And we, at times we don't see anything good. But we look to Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Holy, the Righteous One, who took that sin that we have committed and took the punishment that we deserved upon himself on the cross, and he's reigning at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for us. And so what we need to do is gaze often upon Jesus Christ. We need to meditate often upon his work on the cross, his life where he is at now, his second coming in our battle with sin. Our hope is not in ourselves, but it's in him and him alone. Friends, sin, sin is bad. It's worse than you think. But oh, friends, our, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, his mercy, his kindness, his grace is so much better than we could ever describe or imagine. So through the Spirit using his word, with his people gazing upon Christ, let us battle sin and live for Christ. If you'll bow with me, I'd like to close our time in prayer. Holy Father, God, though it's, it's, it's so ugly there in Genesis chapter 4, I pray you would give each of us a greater insight into the sickness of sin. 
that we would see in our own lives, Lord, you'd expose things and make it clear uh, that things maybe we're not confessing before you. Lord, and then even as we'd see that by your spirit, help us to lay that down at your feet. I pray, Lord, you would use your word to expose areas of our lives that we're not even, we don't even realize are not pleasing to you. And help us to confess that. Help us to encourage one another on by God's people. And Lord, give us a, a greater uh, eyesight to Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would stare and be drawn and be distracted and be encouraged, Lord. Help us all as we battle the sin in our life. Help us to battle it by your strength and for your glory. So seal this word in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.